This episode of the Managing Major Podcast is brought to you by Intercontinental San Francisco Hotel. They are located in the Bay Area and they are hosting our podcast in San Francisco. We are going to San Fran and Vegas for preseason. So we're not able to go to LA at this time, but we're doing the Vegas Classico. And then we're doing the game against Club America in San Francisco a couple of days later. And we're doing a podcast in each city. And we designed it a certain way so that if you're going to Vegas for Classico or you're going to San Francisco for the game against Club America, you'll also be able to attend our podcast. So if you want to book your spot to our podcast, meet us, meet a bunch of other Madridistas, and have a great time and make lifelong connections, then click the link in the show notes and book it soon because prices go up on July 15th. So do it in the next five days or so. Uh, by the way, the Intercontinental, it's located in the heart of the Bay Area. Immerse yourself in the heart of the city at the Intercontinental San Francisco Hotel. Their prime location in the heart of San Francisco near Moscone Center and Union Square allows you to explore the city's culture and charm while enjoying elegantly appointed rooms and luxurious amenities. Host your next event in their beautifully customizable meeting rooms and ballroom while an elevated dining experience awaits you at their loose restaurant and bar 888. Again, Book your stay at Intercontinental San Francisco and also book your spot to our podcast. Links are in the show notes. Uh, coming up is a podcast with Matt uh, regarding marketing, the terrible job La Liga has done in that department, how Real Madrid can monetize more of their stuff, and what is the future of the league? How can we fix it? How can we make it more marketable? How can we make it better? Um, and just other stuff we get pretty deep metaverse technology everything else in between so uh enjoy it and to set us up as always ray hudson and Derek ray let's go nice article in the managing madrid uh blog wonderful lads that do a great job there and worth reading about that man there Ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. All right, welcome to a Saturday edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. This is Keon Sabani. I'm joined today by Matt Wiltsey. I'll also be joined by Matt Wiltsey tomorrow for another podcast. We're doing a historical segment. Uh, we wanted to get something out there, though, and I actually was inspired by Matt's article recently. His Monday musings are very interesting, and uh, if you're interested in reading Matt's weekly column, it's, it's, a, it's a proper thing now. It goes up every Monday. It even has some artwork. Our, our resident cartoonist, Finn, made a little logo thing for him it's a caricature of matt holding a pencil i think and it's called matt's monday musings and we keep that pin pretty much throughout the whole week on managingmajor.com so you won't miss it so go and check it out and uh the reason i wanted to bring matt on is because his last one was pretty interesting i mean they're all interesting but it was it was up my alley it was about finances and marketing and branding and i'm really interested in that stuff and i think la liga's done a terrible job of all that stuff in the last few years so uh we're gonna bring matt on to talk about it matt first of all how are you you're not last time we spoke we did a podcast on wednesday you were recovering from food poisoning any updates on that was it officially diagnosed 
no official diagnosis. So I don't know if it was food poisoning or just regular sickness, but uh, doing better. I still try to eat like a normal meal yesterday for lunch. And then my stomach was off the whole rest of the day. So I didn't have dinner or anything. Uh, but today, I think hopefully a little bit more back to normal. I'm just taking it easy on on whatever I eat. So eating really plain food. But it's been like a week and it's crazy. I still can't eat like norm normally. Did you guys ever go through the thing I got you in your freezer? Remember I, I brought uh, you something and I put sausage, it in your freezer. It was like a sausage yeah. thing, right? It was a plant-based yeah, sausage. Yeah, I had okay, it. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it just got lost in the depths of your freezer or if it actually <laughs> got eaten. All right. That aside, let's talk about Monday Musings and let's talk about your article, which is entitled How Formula One Fueled Florentino Perez's Super League Obsession. So off the, off the bat, what inspired you to write about this particular topic? Um, it was actually from a podcast we had done, I guess, a, a Tuesday Tapas. I had like briefly mentioned it to you because um, I'd seen some of these stats on how Formula One had grown. Oh, I think because folks had asked us like, what are some shows to watch? And um, I brought up the Drive to Survive, I think, because that was something that I had zero interest in Formula One, like knew nothing about it. And then I watched that series and I was like, oh my God, this is fascinating. Like you get to hear the stories behind it. You get to know the personalities. You get to really understand the sport and like the intensity and the pressure that they're under and you have a whole new found appreciation and you're interested in it and like that it definitely happened to me and the docuseries was done so well that um like it's just captured so much of the american attention especially and that was the market they were going after and um it's just that that single driver alone. I mean, I know I in my article, and I'm sure we'll get to it. Like I, I mentioned a bunch of different things that um, Liberty Media has done since taking over Formula One. But the biggest driver, without a doubt, the catalyst to all this has been that Drive to Survive docuseries, which is so, so popular. And um, it's I mean, it's made huge waves in the U.S. and um the the u.s market is coveted so like by all these european whether it be european franchises or clubs like they're all it's coveted so heavily because even if you just get like a small percentage of that market you the revenue there is is massive and like nfl so i think one of the stats i saw that i didn't put in the article was like the nfl and the nba um they don't have nearly as many fans or like followers as let's say um, I think it was formula one even, but like I did put in the article, like how Real Madrid has more fans than all the NBA teams like combined. And so um, like if you can capture and yet they're generating massive, massive amounts of revenue, if you can capture some of that American market, like just, totally changes the landscape. And I think to the point you brought up earlier, like La Liga has definitely fallen behind in the U S specifically the U S market to the Premier League. Someone, uh, I was reading the comments on your article. Someone actually brought up an interesting point in that even during like the peak 
of La Liga in our lifetime anyway, which was Ronaldo versus Messi, Pep versus Mourinho, even even after Mourinho left. I mean, the Clasico was a bloodbath. It was uh, an absolute cash cow. They were, it was just, it was the greatest thing to watch on TV. Like it truly was the, the bad blood between the two, the absolute plethora of superstars and talent, all that stuff. Even then, like at that time, I'm not sure they had, it, it was BN who had the rights. A lot of people didn't have BN. And um, yep. and I'm not sure if they even capitalized on that era. And right now we have ESPN, which is a bigger giant. But even now, like, we'll get to it. Okay, before we get to that, actually, this is the, the, the start of your article is interesting because it's something that I'm very interested and curious about, and something I've been learning a lot about over the years. That number of fans does not equate the mon- uh, money earned. Something I've learned in the past like few years from having friends who live in Hollywood and family who lives in Ho- live in Hollywood and are actors over there. A lot of these Instagram influencers, for example, are completely broke. <laughs> Even the ones who have like millions of followers, they have no idea how to monetize their their social media. At best, they they're like they're getting free stuff. They're gift, getting gifts and stuff in the mail or whatever. Um, and you brought up this, and you started your article by saying that um, you you talk about like. There are clubs who have 400, like, even if you have 400 million followers, monetizing it is not a given. And you brought up the excerpt from Simon Cooper's book, The Barcelona Complex. And I'm not going to read the whole spiel that you inserted into your article, but he's talking about basically, you know, a Barcelona fan. Barcelona can have so many fans around the world. And he says the world's population, 45% of it lives in four countries, China, India, Indonesia, and the U.S., and you can have, and this is this is not me saying anything um, out of my own, uh, just from my own words. This is literally in the book. He he cites this example. He says, a supporter in Mumbai, India, might walk around in a pirated Messi shirt and watch all the team's games in a local bar without ever paying a rupee to the club. Uh, if he was one of Barcelona's 100 million plus Facebook followers, then Facebook rather than Barca had his personal details. So... Uh, the monetization of having a lot of followers is also another challenge. What is one way that you think you can tap into monetizing a fan base like that? So before I get into that, like I, I want to extrapolate just kind of on the point you just made, because I think like not only, so the Facebook example, like, not only is Barcelona, does Barcelona not have his data, but they have to pay Facebook if they want to get his data. So there's all these there's all these middlemen, and the clubs are actually paying for data that they should definitely like they should easily have access to, and should be able to pull from their own databases and be able to see kind of how far their their graphs goes. And um, that's the thing, like all these clubs, like the clubs are almost kind of have been a step behind. And so now they're stuck paying all these different middlemen, whether it be Facebook or UEFA or, or you name it agents. And so um, it's just, it's, it's almost backwards, but, um, and if you think about like that stat, I wanted, I put that excerpt in the, in the article because that stat almost blew me away. I didn't even realize that basically 50% of the population of the global population lives in four countries that's insane and so like if you're not tapped into those markets 
it's 50 percent of the world that you could be like attracting to your brand to your product and potentially finding value and so that, that's that's like that blew my mind um so i think like how can they how can they turn this around i guess to your question um it's a good question it's what it's basically what um all club executives are trying to do now they're trying to take out that middleman and just um, have a direct relationship with their fans. And I think one thing I could see happening in the future, for example, is clubs having like almost like the Real Madrid TV becomes a streaming service, which then showcases all like clubs take hold of their own uh, TV rights. And so then you pay for like Real Madrid TV, you pay for, whichever clubs you want to see. And then um, they have your information. They they're getting, they're monetizing off of that. Uh, see all their games. You can see behind the scenes footage. You can get like documentaries, whatever, whatever you want. I think like that's an Avenue we could see coming, coming down the line, almost like a, a Netflix for clubs where um, they're building that out. I think eventually um, the metaverse will be something that, um, becomes crucial to clubs kind of philosophy and what they're going to use to try and um, not only monetize, but just get fans data because that's part of it. They want to, they want to understand where they're growing. They want to understand where their fan base is, who their fan base is and better get to know the details around these individuals so that they can cater to them. Like if they see that, okay, we've got this set, this demographic and this age group and this population. And over here, we've got this, like, let's center and focus our attention. Oh, we've got a ton of fans in Los Angeles. Okay, maybe let's build a, um, a satellite club and like foster different, send Real Madrid coaches out there and foster a, a club, like something along those lines. And um, I read a great article, kind of going back to the metaverse point, I went, I read a great article um, from La Gallerina, um, and they 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 kind of extrapolated on all of that and talked about how um, basically like you'll almost be able to once the metaverse is up and running, like who knows how far down the road this is, like 20, 30 years, but like you could be at the Santiago Bernabeu watching the game like while in the metaverse, and so and if clubs can get people to pay for that. And like, almost like it is a ticket to be at the Santiago Bernabeu. Like, there you go. You just expanded your, that value. Um, like, I don't even know infinitely. So there's a lot of different things I think that will come up, but like Simon Cooper wrote about, and one of the executives told him is like football clubs need to start thinking like tech startups now, and they have to figure out kind of like what's coming next in order to get ahead of it instead of keep paying all these middlemen. That's you bring up a lot of interesting points. And I'm just trying to figure out where to start. I mean, the metaverse scares me in a lot of ways, because I think I'm really worried about society about never leaving their house again, never socializing again, never seeing nature again. Uh, or maybe at the very least, hopefully they'll socialize within the metaverse. Um, but the the burnabout tickets and stuff like that is really interesting. I mean, I don't think you can necessarily... We can do podcasts together in the metaverse, Keon. This is true. This is true. I mean, <laughs> I'm embracing the good side of it, but I'm worried about the other side of it. But yeah, because I yeah, feel no, like it's already people are, are not leaving their house. But uh, 
it is super interesting. I mean, Barca TV is, uh, I, I don't know exactly what, if it's in response to something like this, but I imagine it was part of their strategy because Barca TV has Barca TV Plus now. And that's something where you have to sign up, you have to pay, you get a free trial at first if you want, then you got to pay to be a part of and you get exclusive content. So Diego um, is part of Barca TV Plus, Diego Lorin. So he'll do he when when a club signs a player when the club signs a player like if if Barca sign, uh you know they signed Kessier when Dani Alves signed Diego interviews all of these guys, and that and I'm like Diego you should post the interview on social media he's like I can't because it has to go exclusively on Barca TV Plus, um I wonder how far Real Madrid are, are away from that kind of model, um I don't know about you but I would probably pay. For like, if you ha- if like Ram just started putting out exclusive content, but I would want it to be like really good content because just that's just me. Yeah. I wouldn't want it to yeah. just be like, oh, let's let's ask Eduardo Camavinga what his favorite food is and put it on like yeah. put it on exclusive Ram TV Plus. If it was like cool analysis that was unbiased and stuff, I don't know if the club would do that. But uh, I if it was really interesting something like that, I would pay for it. Um, the or idea, or even like the, uh, the sorry to interrupt, but even like the. Uh, the documentaries they do after the Champions League, um, yeah, like it's called "In the Heart of La Decima" or whatever. Like if they put that, like that type of stuff, people love. Like you get to see the behind, you get to yeah. see other cell behind the, on the scenes, plane, like some of the conversations. Yeah, does he done so, halftime like, team that talk? Type of, if you put that type of exactly, yeah, you put that type of content behind like Real Madrid Plus, then yeah, a hundred percent, I'd I'd do it. Yeah, um, I I also wonder if. Clubs can would well, band together and put something together like that. Obviously, you know it'd be funny. Like you, you should just get the twelve Super League teams to put together an exclusive yeah. Netflix a of, bundle, a, <laughs> yeah. a bundle where every club has this. Um, I I think that's that's definitely inevitable to some capacity because I think Real Madrid have always wanted to decrease dependency on other people like they want they essentially super league was a way to decrease dependency on uefa and fifa so that they could be in control of stuff um and i wonder how far we are away from that the metaverse definitely something cool um there was something else i wanted to say but i'll maybe i'll think about it uh and it'll come back to me but the idea of that florentino the ideas that florentino put forth a lot of people didn't necessarily agree with them. Agree with him when he's talking about, you know, younger fans losing interest and all that stuff and we have to change something. I think he's right. I think if you just look around, there's so many distractions that kids have. Whether it's Fortnite, I just I keep using Fortnite as an example because I don't really know what else happens in video game world. But Fortnite video games um he brought up the fact that fans are watching highlights instead of games. I don't know if there's a way to prove that, although the numbers are shocking. Like La Liga's viewership has dropped. Like that's that's proof proven. That's in the numbers. So that we can prove. Um, whether you want to argue that's about stars or not, it's a different discussion. In my opinion, either way, whether it's stars or marketing, they both the marketing is terrible from La Liga. We'll get to that in a sec too. Um, but the other thing is that I also kind of believe it because even me, who who has to watch all of these games, I'm not sitting on the edge of my seat staring at this every single second 
You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of boring Real Madrid games to sit through, even. And I don't blame fans necessarily for wanting to, you know, catch up later or like just flip through highlights or like play video games and then the games on the background. They got the dual screen action going. That's the way I deal with Raptors fans, uh, Raptors games. And I'm a Raptors fan. I love the Raptors. I'm not watching every Raptors game. I'm watching a lot of highlights in the morning. So I, I'm kind of sympathetic towards that view. I'm not sure how you change that, but do you have any ideas on that? Because I think, you know, maybe you can argue the broadcast sucks, generally speaking. I'm just talking about, like, literally quality of the broadcast is not as high as the Premier League, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think the Premier League is a good example of, like, what could be done differently, especially to capture the U.S. market. Like, they're doing a, a tremendous job here in the u.s uh nbc sports has been doing a tremendous job for years now um they've got like great great panelists um they've got just the even like you said the broadcast quality like i i remember once seeing a a, like side-by-side picture of a premier league broadcast quality versus a la liga and like just the colors the contrast and like the camera like everything is just 10 times better. Um, And like those things make a huge difference. Um, And so I think there's, there's a lot that, that needs to be done. And you mentioned like La Liga leadership numbers are down 30% since 2018, 2019. And only 7.5% of their viewers fell in the 13 to 24 year old demographic. So like that's their smallest percentage is that demographic and that's the demographic that you need to focus on the most. Um, and so it's definitely concerning. And when Florentino said, when he went on El Chiringuito, he talked about how um, 16 to 20 year old fans aren't interested in football and 40% of young people aren't interested in football. And everybody kind of blew up at that and was like, no, I, I love, I'm 18 or whatever. And I love football. And like all these people like came back, but, the reality is, yeah, that's you. And the people on football Twitter are probably a small percentage of the global population, and we're all diehards. Also, the there is part, a bit of dishonesty there and, from from even those people, I think. Yeah, yeah. And so, and to your point, like, yeah, does is somebody is a sixteen to twenty four year old who's kind of a casual Real Madrid fan? Is he? eagerly waiting to watch Elche versus Real Madrid at 8 a.m. Uh, on a Saturday. Like, I don't, I don't think so. And so I think that's kind of the point I was making. Look, I, I, I sympathize with folks who say that like, well, this is, we don't, we don't want the money. Like this is football. This is tradition. Like this is La Liga. This is, we, we enjoy going to these smaller provinces and playing these small, smaller teams. And like, this is what the history of European football and Spanish football is. And I a hundred percent agree with that. Like I personally, I, I personally like love that and exploring the culture and the traditions and everything like that. But the reality is that if you don't improve your product and you don't start generating that revenue, then you're not going to have, there's La Liga is going to keep going downhill, 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 downhill to a point where you're those who want to access it are only going to be, it's not going to be on ESPN plus in the U S for however cheap it is like 52 bucks a year. It's not going to be accessible across the globe, but you're only going to see the big Real Madrid games unless you're paying tons of money because 
that's just going to be the reality is it's not going to be broadcast anywhere because nobody's watching it. So you have to have a, at the end of the day, if you have a product that's more popular, like it's better for everyone because it can, it just improves all those things we talked about, the broadcast, the access, the, the, you name it, like the color commentary and the both before and after post-match analysis and all that, like it, it just improves tenfold. And so um, if, 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 La Liga really, I, and I know La Liga is focusing on it, but it's there's still a lot of work to do, and just the prim, it just feels like the Premier League so far ahead that it, it's almost impossible to catch up to them. And you mentioned like we had that decade of Cristiano and Messi. Imagine, imagine if in the U.S. we put those games for free for air on ESPN or NBC or one of the big channels, and like La Liga just said, you know what, we're, we're going to put this free for air because we want to capture that U.S. market. We're willing to take the hit here. And as in the short term, it may hurt us on TV, TV money deal and whatever it may be. But in the long term, we're going to capture so much of the U.S. market. We're going to get, get all these Messi, Ronaldo, Real Madrid, Barcelona fans that it's going to be worth it for us in the long term. And I think it was just too short term and too short sighted to do a deal with being sport where there were like so few people had access to that. I, I want to make a point about like, you know, the kid who may not wake up at Saturday, 7am to watch Real Madrid versus Elche. I think to be fair, I think there are many kids who will. Um, and certainly as a 13 year old kid, kid, I was the kind of guy who would wake up at any hour of the day to watch Real Madrid play. Cause I was in love with the club. You know, and even like in terms of buying jerseys, I've growing up, I always had the choice to buy a shitty knockoff or something from the club. And I always chose something from the club, not even because of quality purposes, but because it felt like the right thing to do to put my money to the club that I love. Um, but I don't think Florentino is referring to those fans, and he's not referring to us. I think he's referring to the fans who are not fans yet to bring them in. How do we do that? Um, and they, the club was in full control of the Amazon Prime documentary. And I think that was part of their initial, the, the, the objective of that was to bring in new fans who. So can I, sorry. Yeah. I feel like I keep interrupting you, but like, yeah. even on that Amazon Prime documentary, it was great. I really enjoyed it, but mm-hmm. the people that are going to sit through and watch that are only the diehard fans. Hmm. Like it was not a documentary for folks that just our casual Real Madrid fans because they would have gotten, they would have been bored out of their mind. It it was good, but it was all about like the history and tradition of Real Madrid and had even had like color, uh, color footage of De Stefano and stuff like that and playing. And it was really good. And they interviewed like Amancio and all these different guys, Gallego and the Quinta del Butre and Casillas and, um, all these different legends are sitting around a table, like talking and sharing memories and stuff like that. And so like a lot of that was, was great, but it was a hundred percent for the diehard fan. And so like you're, you're, I don't know what percentage of fans that is, but I, I think it's a small percentage. And if you're looking to grow your brand and grow and like do something similar to the Netflix documentary F1, like that wasn't it because you're just, you're not, you're not capturing that, that group. So, reading your article and also hearing you talk makes you want to go and watch the documentary, which I haven't watched yet. I'm the F1 one, I mean. Um, so did you see The Last Dance? Yeah, yep. So I thought, I mean, The Last Dance is, 
has to be the greatest documentary I've ever watched. Like I don't, I don't know how you can emulate that because part of the story was also the story of Michael and his charisma and his greatness. So replicating that is going to be difficult to do. But what the the really cool thing about that documentary was that everyone watched it across the board. Didn't matter whether you were a fan of basketball or not, everyone enjoyed it. Um, so something like that, I think, would be great if we could emulate that. And I'm not talking about because we have the content, we have the quality and the history and the and the characters in our history to pull it off. But the execution of it, I think, it needs to be done in a certain way. It needs to be done by the right people and the acts, the right access needs to be given. But the problem is the club always wants to be in control and they want to give out their own image, and they're very. They're very biased in that that aspect. So I, I think the ideal thing would be if someone outside was able to get access and also be given the keys to not make it totally one-sided. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think it has to, like, even the Jordan doc and, and what F1 did and, like, the best documentaries, even the Maradona one that uh, was on HBO, I thought that was fantastic. But what all those, what all those documentaries do is it's not, like, that... It, yes, it's obviously got footage and it's focused on the sport, but like what is truly focused on is the person and these human stories behind a sport and like kind of the, the, what, like what any casual person can connect to and like these stories of triumph and, and difficulty. And, and so it's the behind the curtain scenes and like, like even a story on what Luka Modric went through, like growing up in torn Croatia and um, like things of that nature would probably interest folks a lot more than just like the history and tradition of Real Madrid. With regards to um, docs and footage and all that stuff, this particular aspect is not a Real Madrid issue, but it's a La Liga issue. And something that I've been really passionate about, I think we've all been passionate about, I actually have been literally, I've actually had conversations with people at La Liga, texting people on, on the PR department, and they're just like, okay, we'll pass it on, like, we hear you. The copyright stuff. The great thing about the NBA is that it... actually allows fans to put footage out there and compilations and promote their league. Not only that, they actually do revenue sharing with them. And I just don't understand how primitive you have to be, even after this, all this time, 2022, to block and ban and bring down and take down every footage that people do to promote the league. And it's not like people are posting like full games you know, so that people don't have to pay for subscriptions. They're putting highlight packages or like tactical, interesting tactical tidbits of, of players and stuff that literally promote the league and, and it gets shared. And La Liga just tears it down for for the most primitive backward reasons, copyright. They're not thinking clearly. They're not They're not thinking progressively and they're not thinking about the marketing side of things. Um, let Let people make the compilations. Let like let people on managing Madrid or whoever f- put together clips uh, to break down tactics. Let them do it. Don't take it down. And because these guys are like, for example, managing Madrid, 
is the biggest English Realmji website in the world. It caters to one of the major markets we're talking about, the U.S. And by the way, people from India too read that because they consume the English content. That's one of the markets that you can tap into that promotes your league and shows footage of it, and you're just you're shutting that down. And there have been creative ways that the website has gone <laughs> to to upload clips and stuff, but it's probably only a matter of time until those got taken down. Let the Twitter, the football Twitter people, put the compilations up. Let the the football Twitter guys, the Cruz season, the Valverde season, the Modric season, the Registas, the Modric goat accounts, all of these football Twitter accounts, let them just promote your league, post clips and highlights. It's super backward. It's got to change. It has to change. It's really, really embarrassing that and so backwards that they're still in this mindset of, oh, copyright, we got to we gotta take, this, take these kids down, block, ban. And not only that, not only just take it down, like get them banned from Twitter. Big Twitter accounts, by the way, were just getting taken down left, right, and center. Like, I actually feel bad for them. I, I you know, they, they, they work hard to, to promote the league and get their accounts big, and they just, they vanish because La Liga is just, sorry to say, they got sticks up their asses, man. Yeah, and I mean, I think, like, uh, my my mind flashes to, like, that Mallorca-Valencia game where Kubo was unreal. Like, if somebody was able to put a montage together of Kubo's performance, and then it gets all these retweets and likes, and, like, what do you think that's going to do? You think that's going to make people not want to all of a sudden, oh, you know what, I'm, I want to check out Mallorca. I want to watch, I want to see how good this kid really is. And you don't you don't think that's gonna happen? Of course, that's what's gonna happen. Like these clips make people want to watch a player, and see these teams, and see what's actually going on. And so, yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you. It's so frustrating, and it's one of the first things when Liberty Media purchased F1. That's one of the first thing they did was relax the strict social media rules that they had. Um, and so, like, imagine, like, yes, we're not saying. Um, like, uh, just imagine if, if La Liga all of a sudden allowed, allowed that type of thing. Like, I, I think it would be huge, huge for, for, the, for the league. It undoubtedly would be huge. Um, that would just be a simple step in the right direction just to just show us that they're competent in some way to, to do something like that. Um, is there anything else that we didn't hit on in terms of what your article touches, like the scope Um, well, I wanted, cause I did get some like comments, um, afterwards and like, I think people overlooked one line in my statement where I say in creating what is ultimately a flawed product, the super league Florentino Perez had the right intentions. Mm-hmm. So yes, at the end of the day, like we all know that the super league has issues. Um, but that's not to say that and you've said this numerous times, Keon, that's not to say that things can't be improved and football can't be improved. And a lot of the things we just talked about are, are those items. Uh, And so it's, I think something has to change. Otherwise it is worrisome about the next generation because Yes, the folks listening to this podcast and the folks that are watching every single Real Madrid game, like, yeah, you guys are going to stick around and you're going to you're going to watch it. But there's such a large percentage 
that aren't that invested right now. And so how do you get them hooked? How do you get them invested? And, and something's got to change in order to do that. There's something's got to budge. I just don't see it budging anytime soon because it's really hard to, 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 to kind of, to break down all the pillars and the columns and rebuild it because there's so many leagues, so many entities, so many people involved, so much corruption. And even the Super League was just a, a badly executed deal and it didn't include everyone. And I, and honestly, while I, I do think from a financial perspective and a marketing perspective, no matter how much people say they wouldn't watch it, a Super League would be watched like crazy and would gain new fans probably. But what would that do to the L chase, for example? I don't want any of those t- smaller teams to go away. That's why I always wanted it, the whole Super League to, league to be all-encompassing, to include everyone. Get relegated, get promoted, have multiple different leagues within it. You know what I mean? And here, my mind just went to something else, too, because I was thinking about kind of the the gap that the Premier League has already started to produce here in the U.S. Like all of my friends that are soccer fans are Premier League fans. They have a Premier League club. And I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this podcast can relate. Like very few people are a Real Madrid or Barcelona fan. They're either an Arsenal, a Tottenham, a Chelsea, literally all, even guys on my various teams growing up. Like it was was rare for there to be another Real Madrid fan with me or, or Barcelona fan. Usually it was someone of like Spanish heritage or something like that. Or, and so, but of, of the Americans, they're almost all supporting Premier League teams. And so what are ways to get around that, that La Liga could start doing? Well, they could even have interview post-match interviews in English. Uh, they could start doing things like that, like promoting their product in English and doing like, I remember Phil Kitramalides after he left, uh, Real Madrid TV kind of went on a soapbox and said, like, the the head of Real Madrid TV, the head of the communications there, only speaks Spanish. He does not speak a lick of English. How can this? How can the person who's running Real Madrid TV and running one of a global institution not speak any English? Like, how is that possible? And so that's like that type of stuff. Like, I feel like Spain is just still so far behind, and so. Yeah so backward and like they need to get more progressive in that regard and like start thinking of things like this and start doing things where you can really push the envelope and they're just i just feel like they're so conservative and safe and want to stay just hold maybe they think of it as traditions or this is how we've always done it but at the end of the day like you you got to start you got to start moving on to to different avenues to try and build that fan base yes that's 100% correct. And and people who have been listening to this podcast know that we've been very transparent about this and how the club operates also with 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 different kinds of media outlets, but um that that yeah, aspect too. That's a yeah. whole different subject. Well, that, well, well I did a, but I did a, that goes with it like yeah. It's part of stop it. asking these questions and like if we ask more engaging questions and you let different different media kind of have access then you'll get you can reach a broader audience and so like yeah that's another that's a part of it as well um i did a reddit ama a couple days ago and a couple of things that i was asked we want to know like what can the club change like in any aspect of the club not necessarily on the pitch not i think the the next progression is 
dealing better globally with media outlets outside of Spain. And, and by that, I mean just literally expanding out of their little nucleus bubble of people they give access to and exclusive exclusivity to and sources to. Because all of those media outlets often just treat the club like shit in public. They don't ask the right questions. They give coaches a hard time. And they're the ones with access. Meanwhile, the ones who are actually analyzing them and promoting them in a proper way are shut out. And it's basically anyone outside of Spain. That's the next step. Dealing better with English media, basically, or any any other languages. It's a global. It's a. It's twenty twenty two. It's a. Everything is global. The internet has made the world smaller. Most of Real Madrid's fans are outside of Spain. That's literally a fact. So you got to cater to them better. They haven't gotten that far yet. They have to. They have to. That's the next step. That's the next pro- progression for me. I think we hit it all. Let's see what uh, Monday's musings bring in a couple days. Might bring us some more talking points, but uh, Matt and I will actually be back tomorrow to do a historical segment. I want to set that up, so if, if in case people want to uh, go ahead and watch the game before the podcast, which one we're doing? Yeah, I got a... It's a game... It's actually... I wanted to switch it up a little bit, so I also selfishly wanted like a decent broadcast for once, so um, we're doing a more recent game from 2008, um, and it's not a game against... Barcelona or a game in the Champions League. I wanted to switch it up a little bit. Um, it's a it's a thriller against Athletic Bilbao in La Liga from 2008. We're talking Igo, young Gonzalo Iguain, Van der Vaart, uh, Guti, Gago, Heinze, Cannavaro, Casillas, you name it. So um, should be should be a fun one to kind of roll back the years. Oh, even young Marcelo too. So um, it'll be fun fun to watch that. All right, so Matt and I will be back to watch that and break that down tomorrow. Historical segment, long overdue, and it's the uh, slowest time of year, so now now is the time to do these podcasts. Uh, so catch us tomorrow, and we'll also catch you guys over on patreon.com slash managingmadrid on Tuesday and Thursday, and basically every Tuesday and, and every Thursday at the very least. So catch you guys over on patreon.com slash managingmadrid. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate your time. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday, and we'll talk tomorrow. Thanks again. All right, before we wrap it up, we wanted to give a shout out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. They do so much to support the show and make it possible. And we wanted to give a specific shout out to our $10 plus patrons because if you pledge $10 or more, not only do you get guaranteed responses to your questions, but you also get a specific shout out on the podcast. So shout out to Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Way Pairing, Wamik Jamal, Umar Mahadi, Tyler Simon, Tobias Arroyo Bacher, Tarek Goktas. Talib Salhab, Tahmid Kalam, Sushank Damala, Sujai Wani, Sumanchu Singh, Shivam Tiwari, Sherry Soriel, Sheikh Hatiri, Shamil, Shabaz Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Santos Solorzano, Samir Z, Said Mahad, Sai Mohan Sasil Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paulo Fierro, Patrick Daifari, Oscar Barrera, Nico Laxo, Nicholas uh, Zapatero Zubiare, Nicholas Moller, Nick Ribeiro, Nelson Masariego, Muxi Thangal, Mowgli, MJ Diego, Michael Zinberg, Marin Myrtle, Martin Ridman, Logan Stahl, Leon Stavernakis, Kunal Tilakar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Cohut, 
Frederick Antakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, S.A. Davisito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Christian Toft, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Bashar, Armand Gashi, Armando L., Anton Zwardenko, Anirudh Singh, Alexei Seniseros, Al, Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adar Zalukovic, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Varun, Ramtin, Mahrur, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. Love you guys all. Take care and hala marid.